You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Um, so much of what Mike prayed for is going to come up in the sermon today. So grateful the way the, the Spirit led him even in that prayer I was able to just talk, uh, just able to talk with Jim Acock, and he had some pretty significant chest pain earlier today, and it's better now, and they've done, uh, they thought it was going to be a stress test, it's going to be an echocardiogram, they expect to have that soon. Likely it's reflux, that's what we are hoping it is, but it's no fun, and if you look around at the numbers, we have a a lot of people with COVID or have been exposed to COVID. We have not had any transmissions in this building. As far as we know, the elders and deacons early on jumped on um, the a new air filtration system, ionization system that has served us well so far. We surely uh, trust that will continue to be the case. Well, if you're new to Grace Community Church, you should know that we're spending this summer in the Psalms, although you would hardly know that over the last three weeks because we've taken a brief break so we can look at the book of Proverbs. This is going to be the last Sunday in this wonderful book of Yahweh's wisdom. I actually had written to begin with in this horrible and wonderful book. It's wonderful, but boy, is it a tough book. You're going to be saying, if you read through this often, you'll be saying, "Mm, oh my, oh, thought I was doing better with that, but looks like I'm still struggling with the same types of things. (laughs) Two weeks ago, I talked about how Proverbs works. It's more a book of principles than it is a book of promises. It doesn't answer your questions about life in black and white, but rather it guides you in making decisions. Although there are a number of crystal clear directives in Proverbs, you might say that it's more about your character than it is your actions. Everyone wants to know, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to live? But Proverbs points to the fact that it's far more important that we focus on who we are rather than in what we do. Because who we are is going to impact what we do. As Pastor Ricky pointed out last week from Proverbs 9, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly are going to be taking you in two entirely different directions. This morning... We're going to explore a section of Proverbs that represents what most people think of when they think of Proverbs. There's a a, a section, big section in the middle of Proverbs known as Proverbs proper. And even though it doesn't fit some people's definition of being in that group, this is just like what we're going to read today is just like Proverbs proper. You're going to find one to three verse statements about different aspects of life that often may seem to be random, but when you explore just a little bit, you'll begin to see some structure in the book. We will, in fact, get a taste of said structure in today's text, which is the whole of Proverbs 27. 
Rather than reading the entire chapter up front, we're going to read verse 1 and then verses 23 to 27, which conclude the chapter. Even though these are contrasting ideas, they form bookends. It's, it's an inclusio is the theological term for this type of structure. And, and, and they're like bookends, calling us to trust God rather than our own plans at the beginning of the chapter, and then calling us to work hard and prepare for the future at the end of the chapter. So is there a contradiction? No. Wisdom, which could be defined, skill for living, will help us sort out what's what in this kind of inclusio. And it will help us to sort out the different types of focus that we find in this chapter. Every, everything between the beginning and the end is telling us how to live comfortably with tension in our lives. Proverbs 27.1 and then verses 23 to 27 is our text from the beginning. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. <clears throat> then verse 23. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a fill. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and the maintenance for your girls. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word, we pray that it would open up to us as we examine it a little more carefully maybe than we would normally do. But may this serve as a guideline for helping us all to know how to approach Proverbs. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. In 1934, T.S. Eliot asked two questions that resonate at least as much today as they did when they were asked. Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? It's almost as if Eliot had spent time in the book of Proverbs and then sat down to reflect on society. It's also almost as if he wrote this yesterday. Knowledge and information were increasing at breathtaking rates nearly 100 years ago, but wisdom was in short supply. The gap between knowledge and wisdom in 1934 is now a chasm. And don't even get started on how information has become a vacuous and pitiful substitute for knowledge. We don't know anything because we know everything. Where can we find wisdom? In Proverbs, verses 1 to 2. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you and not your own mouth a stranger and not your own lips. I thought about 
Jim Acock in reading verse 1 because always when you ask Jim, um, will you be at the meeting next week? He'll say, Lord willing, I plan to be there. Now, that, Jim was saying that long before he was 94 years of age. He's always understood, as James tells us, don't boast about tomorrow. He takes this verse and then adds to it a little bit. But say, if the Lord wills, I will do such and such. These two verses may seem like they're addressing two very different topics, but they're more similar than not. Boast in verse 1 and praise in verse 2 come from the same root Hebrew word, same root word in Hebrew, and they imply a spirit of bragging. Now, you may or may not have been watching the Olympics this past few weeks. The Olympics are huge in Allison's family, and I enjoy the Olympics. Uh, she must see the Olympics, and I enjoy watching them with her. But I've seen over and over people say, I'm the best, I'm going to do this, and, and it just didn't work out for them. Time after time, it didn't work out. He's saying, don't boast about what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, and, and then let another praise you. Let another brag on you. Not your own mouth. Now, these two verses, admittedly, would be difficult for you to read in devotions and then move to the computer to begin working on your resume. I, I don't know how we resolve the tension between trying to say the good things about yourself and not bragging about yourself. But I do know this. Scripture does not seek to resolve this or many other tensions that you find. And one of the big problems in evangelical Christianity today is that we have this enlightenment sort of thinking where everything must be explained everything must have a reason and you have to be sure or you have to be sure for for the uh, to, to be able to support the reasoning for your explanation look there is a lot of tension in scripture and and maybe one of the benefits of proverbs is to teach us that god is okay with tension and the wise person will learn to be content as she holds opposing views and issues and struggles with self-intention. It seems to me, seems to me, that we are a desperately insecure people to the individual. Every single one of us is desperately insecure. And one of the ways that we deal with our insecurity is through boasting. Yes, pursue excellence, but know this. And pursue the jobs, different jobs, and write a good resume. But know this, if you're good enough, the right people will find you, even in your job hunt, in your job search. The right people will see it, and you'll be okay. Trust in the Lord for what He's doing in your life. One last thought. The Lord knows our needs, and He knows that we're insecure. And it's one of the reasons that He says... I want you to build one another up. In fact, the Apostle Paul gives a beautiful example in Philippians chapter 2 toward the end of the, uh, of the chapter. And think about where 2 started off. It starts off, think more about others than you think about yourself. And remember Jesus who came to earth and he did not think about his own self. But he, he was obedient to the Father even 
death on a cross. He was that obedient. And he thought that little of himself to, to, to think for others. But then at the end of chapter 2, Paul starts bragging on Epaphroditus and on Timothy. And he is effusive in his praise of, of these two people. And Epaphroditus was likely the one who delivered the letter to the church at Philippians. And he was standing by while an elder read the letter. And he was right there. And Paul said these wonderful things about him. We're called to build one another up. The Lord knows our need for encouragement. But he also understands our weaknesses. And he knows the dangers of our pride. And therefore he instructs us to be humble and let others praise us. And not our own mouths. So I hope all of you people got that. Because I've been thinking you need it. We all need it, right? I'm terrible with this very thing. And I'm thankful that reading through Proverbs, not every month, but a lot of months over these last two years, I'm reminded, stop it, Brad. Just let somebody else do that. That's not your job. Verses 3 and 4. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty. But a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? In both of these verses, Solomon argues from the lesser to the greater. As in, if you think that's bad, where do you hear this? If you want to know what a fool's provocation is, all you need to do is read Proverbs. I think you know what jealousy is. And you know the devastating impact and effect that jealousy has on a person. Envy. An overprotective or possessive spirit. Bitterness. Delight in your opponent's fall. All are associated with jealousy. A, a cure for jealousy is discovered when we obey the scripture that says to rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Don't be so worried about your own fine self. Be worrying about others. And when you do, you begin to see the jealousy melt away. It'll come back in a heartbeat, but you've got to keep at it. Verses 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. How many times do you not say something because you don't want to you just don't want it, so you don't say something. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, this just now comes to me. The wounds of a friend are like a doctor who may cause pain for a moment to help heal. But the doctor doesn't go like that. You know, he cuts where he needs to. It's not indiscriminate cutting. It's very careful. So the wounds of a friend are not just, well, I'll tell you what you need to hear. It's not that at all. It's the right spirit. We all know the deceit of flattery. So be grateful for a friend who's willing to speak truth to you. 
Do not despise your friend when he points out a flaw in your thinking or even in your character. When was the last time you said, you know, I was wrong? Well, really, that's too easy. When was the last time you said, thank you for calling me out on that? Thank you for correcting me. And if your spouse, your parents, your children say, that's what I've been trying to tell you, let me know. Because that's not what it's supposed to be. Don't use this to beat somebody over the head. Verses 7 to 9. One who is full loathes honey. But to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. A great benefit of Proverbs is that so many of these verses apply to multiple circumstances of our lives. The verses that we have just read mean more than this. But at the very least... They mean that we need to learn to be content with what we have. It's difficult for most Americans to think of wealth as a curse. And for the man or woman with wisdom, it need not be. The temptation, though, to... Ingratitude and pride that often accompany success should prompt us to pursue gratitude and humility as spiritual disciplines. Now think about that. In the same way that you spend time in the Word, in prayer, and fellowshipping with other believers, fasting, whatever the spiritual disciplines you are, practice the discipline of humility And of gratitude. Gratitude is really an easy thing to do. Just to start writing all the things that you're grateful for. Humility and gratitude kind of go together. Don't they? So again, listen to this again. The temptation to an, an ungrateful spirit and pride that often accompany success should prompt us to pursue gratitude and humility As spiritual disciplines. The bird who strays from his home in verse 8. Refers more to a rolling stone than an unfaithful person. You know the person who goes from one place to another. Can't. their, Their life song. They don't have a life verse. They've got a life song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Just never, never satisfied. Maybe this is another spiritual discipline you should consider. I can't tell you how many young men I have said to, look, all right, I know you're not content with this job, just like you weren't content with the job before or the job before the job before. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't leave this job, but make your mind up that when you get to the next one, you're going to stay there for a while. We need... To learn contentment. Sometimes, verse 9, you need a friend 
to help you make sense of your current challenges. How good of a friend do you need for such spots in your life? Verses 10 and 11. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. Sometimes a close friend may be helpful, more helpful to you than your own family. And possibly because they can be more objective. You know, they don't have the family pride going on saying, well, tallies don't do that. You may need to hear time like, well, this is the case where Tally does need to do that. Speaking of family relations, verse 11, which is a transition verse, reminds us that Proverbs is written to young men. And by the way, saying tallies don't do that's not always a bad thing at all. Sometimes people need to have that family pride, but sometimes that pride can get in the way of the best counsel. So choose your friends carefully. I thought one of the great things Ricky said last week uh, in listening to the sermon was uh, that first day at, 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 at lunch, when you're trying to choose your table, you, you got to remember, you're not only choosing your place, you're choosing your people. And those people are going to have a big say in what happens in your life. And this is all along those same lines. So verse 11, which is a transition verse, reminds us that Proverbs is written to young men, though we need it at all ages. Verses 12 and 13. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for an adulteress. In other words... A good-hearted person can be, at the same time, a very simple person and walk straight into disaster with the best of intentions. These verses were not written to discourage us from being generous or sacrificial in our relationships with other people, but they were written to warn us not to indiscriminately help others. Be wise in the ways that you serve other people. Before we move on, it's important uh, to note another element of the structure that is found in Proverbs, and it begins right here. We've already observed the inclusio of contrast with which Proverbs 27 begins and ends. And now, there's another set of bookends in Proverbs 27.12 and 28.1. It's 28.1 is just outside of 27, or else we could say it's an inclusio within an inclusio. It almost is. Look at these verses together. Proverbs 27.12. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. So which is it? Are the, are, are the wise cautious or are they bold? Are the foolish headstrong or fearful? The answer, of course, is yes. How do you know which is which? Wisdom. 
Proverbs 4, 7 says, The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. So now that's cleared up for how you're supposed to live in all situations, right? No, it's like, ah. Uh. Here's the thing. Everything between Proverbs 27, 12 and 28, 1 is designed to help you acquire this kind of wisdom and insight. Well, I still need specific direction. No, you don't. You really don't. You need character. And Proverbs tells you how to develop this character. And we're going to learn a little bit later. That, of course, comes from above, not from within us. All of Proverbs is written to help you know when to be cautious and when to be bold. But understanding takes time. I can't think of anything lately in our society in which people are really back and forth in different directions. But, you know, should those times come, hopefully we'll know what to do. Verses 14 to 16. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. I think that means don't text or, or call too early. All right, Email, okay, but don't text or call too early. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Verse 14 calls into question the sincerity of the one extending the loud and most likely public blessing. If one is in a foul mood, as one might be early in the morning, the one given the blessing might be exposed as disingenuous. As for verses 15 to 16, would it be okay if we just move on? Well, probably we shouldn't do that. So I'm going to say a word about these, the verses themselves and then provide a little bit of context. <coughs> Solomon is referring to a wife who complains about everything. She is contentious, never satisfied, and you may as well try to control nature as to control such a one. This proverb, like all proverbs, is encouraging us, don't be that person. Don't be that person. There's little doubt that those, there are those in our day who find proverbs to be a politically correct, incorrect book at the highest level. Even though scripture is timeless, it was written in a particular time. Eugene Peterson in one of his devotionals in the message uh, said about this about Proverbs uh, and about women in Proverbs. He, he said that women in the ancient world, both in Palestine and out of Palestine, everywhere in the ancient world, women were assigned Two roles, or they were assumed to have two roles, seductress or servant. Now, sitting where we sit 3,000 years later, we can look back and say, well, that was wrong. And truly, one of the ways that we grow is to look back and say, you know what? I don't know how they justified it, but we can no longer justify it. We have to change things from the way they used to be. But it was in this context that Proverbs was written, and that is what makes Proverbs 31 so remarkable. 
I know more than a few women who are quite intimidated by Proverbs 31. In fact, you may have a magnet on your refrigerator that says something like, the Proverbs 31 woman does not live here. Um, I get it. It's an almost impossible standard. But perfection was not the point when Solomon wrote Proverbs 31. Worth and value and capability define the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. And that wisdom was spoken by God into the ancient world. Ephesians 6.4 warns fathers not to provoke their children to, to anger. And if you had been alive in that day, you would have said, What? Fathers can say anything they want to to their children. Well, no, not in the Lord's economy, not in His standard. Not according to His standard, you can't. 1 Peter 3.7 Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. No one gets off easy. We should all hear the word and consider what we may need to adjust. And that's all I have to say about these verses. Verses 17 to 19. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. I have heard this over and over this past week in the Olympics. I suspect that a number of Americans who were in the Olympics this year are believers. I just, the language, you can hear it. I, I, I think so. And this one they have been talking about over and over. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit. And he who guards his master will be honored. You know people that are always criticizing the guy in charge. As in water, face reflects face. So the heart of man reflects the man. Now, again, as has already been stated, we're meant to build one another up, not tear one another down. We will be honored for doing the right thing, even if the honor comes only from the Lord and not from humans. Our hearts are deceitful and we need each other. Verse 19 encourages us to reflect on the truthfulness of our hearts, which is a difficult thing to do since our hearts are deceitful. But verse 17 indicates that we may need others to help us be honest with ourselves. Verses 20 to 21. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold. And a man is tested by his praise. Crush a fool in a mortar with a pestle, along with crushed grain. Yet his folly will not depart from him. In commenting on verse 20, Andrew Steinman said, Death is never satisfied with those who have already died. And the devil is never content with the people he has brought to hell, but always seeks to lead more souls to their eternal Ruin. It's almost as if Stebman, in preparation for writing the commentary on the book of, uh, or Simon, for writing the book on uh, commentary on Proverbs, 
had also been reading C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters. And understanding that Satan wants to bring us down any way that he possibly can. Verse 21 is a reality check. In the same way that fire reveals the true character of gold and silver, brings the impurities to the top, so the way that we handle praise reveals our true character. Not easy, is it? Bernhard Longer, who won the Masters, has won the Masters twice, and I was really rooting for him. It was before the days of USA, USA. He's from West Germany, grew up in West Germany, and had really had no encouragement there. Um, but he won the Masters and then used the Lord's name in vain when they uh, interviewed him. And I was so disappointed. And then four years later, he won it again. And he said, the best thing about winning on this day is that it's Easter. It's the day my Lord and Savior rose from the dead. My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What happened? He won the Masters. He won the tournament at Hilton Head the next week. And he went into a deep depression. Sometimes the only thing worse than losing is winning. Winning at all. And it pointed out his need in he. The right people, the Lord put the right people in his path. And he came to know Jesus through having achieved the highest good in his sport. And finding that it was not good enough. And praise can reveal impurities in our hearts that criticism can't. How we handle that praise is a big deal. It's why scripture is filled with verses like Romans 12.3. In which the apostle Paul said. For by the grace given to me I say to you. Or I say to everyone among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith. That God has assigned. I don't think this needs a lot of comment. Verses 23 to 27, where I would truly love to spend several weeks. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? When the grass is gone and, and the new growth appears... And the vegetation of the mountains is gathered. The lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food and for the food of your household and maintenance for your girls. Even Solomon knew that girls are expensive, right? I mean, if you got the weddings coming up, there's a lot of money that you're going to be outlaying here if, if you have girls. Here's a question you might not have thought to ask. Was Solomon addressing farmers or the political leaders of God's covenant people? Kings were often known as shepherds and they were criticized or commended by the Lord based on how well they cared for their flock. Solomon likely had both in mind, the application for a worker is pretty clear. Make sure that you work hard to provide for the care of your family. God warns us in these verses not to take 
security and prosperity for granted. But to be aware that life will not always be as good as it is right now. Not that life might not always be. Life will not be as good as it is right now. And you need to make preparation for those days when life throws you curveballs. Care must be taken for the future. As for kings, when Solomon wrote Proverbs 27, Israel had never been nor would ever be again as powerful as it was at that time. Even so, Solomon knew it would not be sustained forever. Ever. Even Solomon's son, Rehoboam, split the kingdom with his unwise actions and requirements for the people. And then approximately 400 years after Solomon shared his wisdom with God's chosen nation, the people of Judah were taken captive by Babylon. Since we know the inability of human kings to perfectly care for the people, it's good for us to remember that the Old Testament writers were always pointing to another king who would arise. A perfect king, a Messiah, Jesus, the good shepherd who would live and die for the sheep that he would call by name. Reading Proverbs can easily make you think, you know what? <laughs> I'll never be good enough to go to heaven. And that's a good thing if you come out, come away from Proverbs understanding that. Because you never will be good enough to go to heaven. Pointing out our sin is the gracious thing that God does in his word to show us our need for him to redeem us. We need a redeemer. This God did in his love by sending Jesus to live a life of perfect obedience and to exhibit perfect wisdom, knowing exactly when to move away from trouble, which Jesus did on several occasions, and stay away from trouble, and knowing when to walk right into it, bold as a lion, and stand and give himself a willing sacrifice for our sins. I, I was thinking about it, really not until this morning, so I, I don't have it written down. I, but I, I was thinking about this. A lot of people like Proverbs because a lot of people want to know, just tell me what to do, and that's what I want to hear. How am I supposed to live my life People are naturally drawn to law. Give me what I give me a system, and I'll do my best to, to, to stay with it. And if that doesn't work, I'll find another system. But I've got to be able to check off all the boxes so that I can prove to myself that I'm really a good person. Gospel is so much more difficult than law. Law justifies its weaknesses. Gospel willingly admits it's sin. A gospel life is saying, if you don't do this for me, Lord, it doesn't get done. 
while the law is constantly saying, if I can just be a little bit better. The only hope any of us has for heaven is to confess our sins and to put our faith that what Jesus did on the cross was the perfect sacrifice for our sin. Somebody had to pay. Believe that Jesus paid the price for you. And when you call out to him, confessing, acknowledging your sin, and you ask him to save you because of what he has done on the cross, he will save you just like that. Call out to the Lord from your heart. He's ready to save you. Just one of the blessings of Jesus fulfilling the whole law. We think about the the importance of, uh, of Jesus' death for us and our eternal destiny, but Jesus' life of perfect obedience is just as important. It not only made him an eligible sacrifice, but now that we are united with him, we can have the kind of wisdom that we read about In Proverbs, it was pointing to him. 1 Corinthians 1, Jesus has become to us wisdom. So as you continue to read Proverbs in August, and I hope in many more months of your life, be encouraged knowing that the impossible standard of Proverbs has already been accomplished through Christ. And Christ in you, the hope of glory will move you a lot closer to wisdom than you ever were before. Even here in Proverbs, Jesus is exalted. Let's pray. Father, um, it is our express and full desire to exalt Jesus in our lives. Until we come to Proverbs and we read a verse like, let another man praise you and not your own mouth. You think, oh, oh, maybe it's not Jesus who I want to be exalted, but maybe it's self. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For not only not letting us live any way we want to. Thank you for calling us to account for our hidden motives and our unthoughtful comments and our deceitful hearts. Thank you for calling us out on that, Lord. And thank you. That Jesus lived the perfect life, making him eligible for the sacrifice. And then in his resurrection, as we are formed in Christ through our baptism and our belief, we have been buried with him in baptism and we have been raised with him to walk in newness of life. In that, Lord Our hearts rejoice. And we do exalt you. 
and praise you and thank you for loving us and guiding us and giving us victory that only you can give. We depend on you. We love you. We want to obey you. Make it true in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand for the benediction? Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.